When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Point it was Satan, and I don't want to misquote him. So this was either Satan did this or the reptiles did this. He, but he says we're deluged with sugar, we're breathing poison air, we live in electromagnetic Wi-Fi and cellular that are killing us. I agree. Welcome to the cast. We're back. What's up, dude? Not too much. So first thing to announce, we have listened to your guys' requests. We're going to start, well, we had a Patreon, but we're now associating it with the podcast. So if you want us to do podcasts more often, hooray, there is going to be a link in the description. It's still patreon.com slash charisma on command. That's what we had initially for our charisma on command. Then we just kind of shut it down. For every $300 that we can raise per month, we will add another podcast. And this one, obviously, sometimes we just do them because we want to. But if we get $300, we do one. $600, we're two per month. And if we get $50, we're doing them as often as we feel like, <laughs> <laughs> which is my prediction. <laughs> and that's totally fine. Um, we'll but keep you guys paying Justin out of pocket. Yes, yes. So big things. You want to start with the David Icke? Sure. Stuff. Sure. Fire away. All right. I'm going to catch the audience up. Do you know about the David Icke thing on YouTube, Justin? No. Okay. So this this was huge with the sub niche on YouTube. London Real is a guy who has an interview channel. He uh, does variable well with his things, but this guy, David Icke, brings in millions of views. He has them on three, two, three weeks ago. He does like three, four, five million views. He has them on for a live cast. And they start getting, I think at the peak, it was like 70 or 80,000 people watching this podcast, which is way more than Joe Rogan. It's like Joe Rogan, Elon Musk numbers. This is one of the biggest conversations that has been had on the internet in a long time. And YouTube shuts it down, deletes the video. That's it. Can I give a quick primer for people that don't know David well, Icke? Well, that's that. Yes, go ahead. This is so, for people, so why is So for people that don't know David Icke, well, this isn't why it was shut down, actually. But this for people who don't know David Icke, yeah. he will tell you that there are there's satanic cult slash reptilian alien overlords who by controlling the most powerful illuminati in the world I don't, he doesn't say illuminati run things in i want to use his own words he doesn't say illuminati are you sure i've never heard him i say watched illuminati. a video where he said illuminati. okay so maybe three illuminati. years ago this is the thing his language changes okay three years ago he said satanic cult illuminati okay now now he says reptiles um but they are they are the deep state they actually are the ones that control the world and so barack obama both bushes elon musk bill gates all of them are part of this satanic cult slash are reptiles and they're aware of it so that's one thing and in addition this particular thing was about how coronavirus is in his own words uh coronavirus is not real and what he means by not real is that the sickness that people are getting with the lungs and all that stuff is in fact not caused by any viral thing but in fact caused by 5g 
transmissions that these, in his own words, psychopaths are are erecting uh, in the name of communications. But really, it's a strategic plot set in place for over 30 years to enslave humanity. And you can watch the whole thing and get your own opinion on it. So in summary, that's that's a brief thing. He that's has, who David Icke is. That's who David Icke is. Uh, but that's not who did. That's not who David Icke is. David Icke is obviously so much more than these few beliefs. And YouTube shut it down. And then the guy London Real started posting about how this is censorship of freedom of speech. Uh, he was removed from LinkedIn yesterday. They just unceremoniously deleted his profile, and it raises, in my mind, a whole bunch of very interesting questions around freedom of speech, the responsibility when you have freedom of speech with what you say. And uh, how this should have been treated. So, go so ahead. Where do, you, where do you want to start? Because I have a lot of thoughts around David Ike himself, or we can go with the, from the freedom of speech angle. Well, let's let's address Ike second, because I think there's a broader thing, which is: Can you say whatever you want, first in life, and second on a platform like YouTube? Should you be able to? And All so right. I'm so you go ahead. You lead that one. This is such a complicated question. Okay, so YouTube has for a long time and been trying to straddle this ground between private company and public platform. And they want to be a public platform, so when somebody posts a video of beheading somebody, they're not liable, right? This is a platform we don't control. We're not going to be here to censor. They also have an agenda of what they want shared and what they want to cultivate in their community. So they say, no, you can't be mean in this way, no hate speech this way. And Well, they also get pressure from the government. And they get pressure the from government the government. Is, the government is who decides if they're a monopoly or not. Yes. So they obviously have an yes. extreme incentive to stay on the good side of the government and to be viewed as a platform, which weirdly enough means sometimes acting as a private company. Yes. Does that make sense? Because yes. a platform wouldn't censor, but if they don't censor, the government's going to get upset at them. So they have to not act like a platform so the government will not call them mm -hmm. a monopoly. And for instance, if they were a public utility, if YouTube was a public utility, uh, you can say everything that David Icke said on Verizon's phone lines, and it would be completely illegal out of bounds for them to shut you down. You can say, I'm pretty sure everything that David Icke said on a street corner and if it or in a park and if it's a public space they they can't drag you out of there mm -hmm. right so the question is can youtube do this i the answer is yes <laughs> should they <laughs> is it legal i don't know can they yes they obviously they clearly can. they have so my my opinion is that youtube is really trying to play the line between platform and private yeah, yeah. i think they ought to be classified as a public utility and a platform in which case the permissiveness of what can be said goes through the roof oh interesting uh, yeah, that, I mean, I, I think that YouTube, in my opinion, I mean, what do you want? Do you want to be a platform? Do you want to, you want to not be held responsible for all the beheadings and horrible stuff that well, goes then, on? Or so do then you want to think, then the question which we talked about is, so what can you say on a street corner? Because even if YouTube is a street corner, there's certain things you can't say, right? You can't go on and call for the specific murder of a mm -hmm. person, right? Mm -hmm. Especially not if you're a celebrity or someone of influence with a following. You can't say, I want my followers to murder this person. I'm yes. not going to use an example because yeah. I think even facetiously I could get in trouble. Yeah. So the reason, well, sorry, there's two reasons being floated that David Icke is being censored. One, the reptiles don't like what he has to say and he's the single biggest threat to their plan. Or two, people are burning 5G towers and he's inciting that feeling that creates the desire to arson these multi-million dollar investments in technology right i'll give you a third reason which is between the two uh 5g is going to make some people a lot of money they're in the pockets of government and their towers are being <laughs> like and and the government is for that reason 
Uh, they're not worried about the investment. They're just like saying, no, 5G is going to roll out. And maybe it's not healthy for people, but they're not reptiles. They just don't care about the public health harms of whatever 5G Yeah, yeah, cause. I think that's the second option. Sure, which okay. is, I just wanted to let people know that these towers are being arsoned. It's not like he's just saying stuff. He's saying stuff and then people are... Not and then. This was happening before. So 5G has been a thing for a long time. 4G was a thing. So you've, you've seen the, the tinfoil. That's like the classic yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's to stop the whatever bandwidth of radio waves. And that's been around for a long time. And his contention is that 5G goes up to a certain frequency band that is even yeah, it's more worse. dangerous, that stops the human body from being able to absorb oxygen, which is exactly what you see in these COVID-19 cases. And that is, in fact, what is causing this illness. For the record, 5G might be really bad for you. Mm -hmm. I just want to say I'm going to I'm going to come across as very skeptical of certain things David Icke says, but I'm on board with 5G could be very bad for you. And they might be just rolling it out because it's profitable. Mm -hmm. Not opposed to that idea. Yeah, yeah. So those are the two things. Now, obviously, then Brian Rose, who is the interviewer in this case, goes on and says, this is an issue of freedom of speech. You should be able to say whatever you want. I, I disagree with what you say, but we'll defend the, the death of your right to say it. But to your point, I think there's something that is never said in the free speech debate is that no one I have ever heard advocates for unlimited free speech. Mm -hmm. Never. What they, they say, I want free speech, but you can't slander me and you can't slander other people. Like you said, you can't call for the uh, the assassination and you can't say things. As far as I know, they cause imminent public harm. So if that you... would be so interesting, actually, if so, if one of these free speech fighters, mm -hmm. if some celebrity came up and just aggressively slandered them, mm -hmm. like just made up bold faced lies and was like, oh, OK. And then it was the this question person is, is a pedophile. Are I you have proof? Yeah, I, have, I, have, I have proof yep. this and that. And then the question is, are you. Mr. Advocate of Free Speech, I defend to your death the right to say it. Mm -hmm. Are you going to sue for mm -hmm. slander or libel? Because I would bet that most people would. Of course. Of course. So I actually well, it's not of course, because what they're saying is I, defend, I will defend to my death free speech except for some forms of speech, which I don't like. Yes. And I think this is actually the difficult thing where I don't care how libertarian you are. I don't know anybody who advocates for pure, unlimited free speech. Anyone. And if oh, for you do, sure. That's, I mean, when when Justin Bieber had... Three billion diehard fans. Mm -hmm. I don't think anyone wanted him pointing them at people as missiles. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Saying, "Oh, I really wish that this person would die." Not even that. Would, go farther than that. You need to get this guy. People like, would show up dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People would show up dead exactly. if you did allow that level of free speech. So we always have, and whether we like to say it or not, we take these sections of speech and we codify them as not within the realms of free speech. Slander. You can't say things that are knowingly false about a person or company that harms them. And if you do sue for slander, you have to demonstrate harm. Uh, calling for assassination. So the question then arises, does this kind of speech on a platform like YouTube, how do you balance the potential for harm that it may cause if in fact, let's just say, David, Reich, David Icke is not correct. This is a virus that people are now not going to prepare for by using masks. Maybe they're going to blow up some 5G towers. Maybe, who knows? Uh, versus his right to say whatever he wants in whatever yeah. venue he wants. Sorry, that's how the other does concern. That get the other weighed? concern is if you don't believe in corona and what we've been told about COVID-19 is accurate, then what you will do is interact with old people and things like that, and you'll end up accidentally killing your loved ones. Potentially. Yeah. And, and this is, I'm not even going to weigh in, if he's wrong. Right? That's what I said. So, if so the truth obviously matters tremendously mm -hmm. in all of these cases. It's, it's one of the defenses against slander is it's true. <laughs> you can say horrible things about someone if you can, if it's true. Yeah, if you actually have evidence that someone's a pedophile, you can say so. Yes, yes. And so what I think has been missed in all this, there's a there's a large YouTube uprising, the hashtag London Real Army, free speech. And I don't I don't see them really grappling with the contention of 
let's just pretend in our thought experiment. I know we agree in this in this group of people with David Icke. Let's pretend that he's wrong. What is at stake in terms of harm and lies versus how much do we want to defend his speech? And I'm not saying that YouTube was right to have done it, but I think it's a much more complicated question than people are making it out to be. And within the David Icke thing, there seems to be this anti-establishment. Mm-hmm. Everyone who has a billion dollars is bad. Everyone who is a CEO is bad. Obviously, these companies are operating with a different set of uh, morals than the people in my normal well, life. This is what I, this, <laughs> this is the part I wanted to talk about. Do you mm-hmm. want to get into this? Go ahead. Yeah. So yeah. So the thing the the thing that I think is interesting is I one I think David Icke has some interesting Buddhist level philosophies that I like about yeah. how we are love and we are energy. Two, he says that certain things are happening that are bad, and I agree with them. But his take. Do you want to give any examples of those? Yeah, I will. His, his take at a at a high level is that the reptilian overlords are pushing it upon society and there's a sense that there's these the small percentage of beings on earth that are evil who are who are doing these things to us and i think there's this thing called the gordian knot which is just you do you just assume the simplest explanation for something and every single thing he has and i'll go into the examples you can just explain without saying that there are reptilian aliens that are invisible to our fifth sense that live on the moon you can just say People are people, and this is exactly how we would all act in these situations. So Mm -hmm. there's one. I'll just read all the examples. So one of the things he said is you can tell that we are being... Okay, so now this might have been from earlier. I don't know if he said this was because of the devil or because of the reptiles. Mm -hmm. Because there was a switch of, of who's the... So I didn't hear him show? say reptiles. So I, I actually, and I only watched the one interview. He didn't say reptiles. What he said was AI and super psychopaths, including uh, Elon Musk, super psychopath. No, no, Bill lizards. He, he says lizards that are wearing human disguises that our five senses can't see. Okay. I went deep. Okay. I went deep. So, okay. But at one point it was Satan and I don't want to misquote him. So this was either Satan did this or the reptiles did this. He, but he says we're deluged with sugar. We're breathing poison air. We live in electromagnetic Wi-Fi and cellular that are killing us. I agree. <laughs> Being pushed on us by the evil, whatever, whether it's yes. Satan's influence or the reptiles. People would flip out if you took these things away. Because mm-hmm. I totally agree with him. But if you said to people, hey, no more sugar. It's killing us. We're going to heavily mitigate how much you can drive because fuel is bad. And we're going to force you to buy electric cars, even though they're more expensive. Mm -hmm. And we're going to severely cut down on where cellular and where Wi-Fi is available. There would be a literal (laughs) uprising in the streets. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so why, why does the explanation have to be that some evil outsiders are doing this? And not that in our own short term desire for pleasure we have all agreed to just do things that kill us, mm-hmm. which is seems very plausible and doesn't require Satan or aliens, something you can't see. It just yeah. looks like it's human nature. We're all very excited to eat our sugar and hold our phones to our head, yeah. even though we've all heard the rumor that they might cause cancer. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And Absolutely. so that's, that's my biggest thing is, you're right. All this bad stuff is happening. And by the way, you're right. Maybe, and I don't know enough about it, we should not let 5G be everywhere if we run independent studies that show that it kills people. But the reason there's 5G, in my opinion, is just because human greed occurs. Mm-hmm. There's, it's just something they can monetize. And I think it's not because anyone's evil. The same people that are upset, if they were in charge of the phone company, 
would be promoting 5G because it would make them yeah. billions of dollars. I think that's the thing. So we often say human greed, and it's like it's actually not just simply human greed. It's your greed that you're blind to just multiplied by every person on the planet. And this is, this is I think, the appeal of conspiracy theories and uh, anything that, that scapegoats the troubles of the world onto a particular group. That's not you. That's not you. Whether it's the poor, the reptiles, the wealthy. And the farther you can separate them for yourself, this is what Hitler did, like the Jews yeah, yeah, yeah. Animals, I was just going to say that. Like the, the, the more appealing it is because it hits on a base psychological need to be the good guy. And so for me to be the good guy, I have to take all the reasons that the world is bad and say someone else has done them. What is more likely happening, as you said, is that the selfish decisions that you make in your life at a small scale every single day when you cut in traffic in order to get off on the exit ramp, when you, uh, when, when I remember when I was a kid, a coin machine spat out more money than the $20 that we put into it. And it was like, hooray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? It wasn't like, oh, no, let's go to the counter and return this. Because we've this stolen, is, from, we've this stolen from this. It yeah. was like, it, what if, what if, like, you know, amazing. And we, we, it was at happy times. And we, we were so excited to take that money and spend it. Yeah. All these minor infractions that don't count that you do are exactly what the CEO of Verizon Wireless is doing just at a different scale. And what it means is that if you want the world to change, you have to first figure out how to not make these convenient, minor, hidden-to-yourself infractions. And then when you've cleaned up your own room, as Jordan Peterson would say, then you can begin to help teach other people how to make those hard, hard decisions. And so questions like, I don't, don't want to moralize, but uh, how thoughtful are you about your diet? How thoughtful are you, are you about the litter and the trash that you put into the world, right? How thought, like, these are the questions that we would like these cell companies to ask themselves, but are very unwilling to. Or when was the last time you told a little, in your mind, harmless lie because it benefited you? Mm -hmm. Because that's what other people are doing that you may or may not like so much. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like this, if 5G, if there's a little bit of research that shows it's damaging, but they're not sure if it's right yeah. or not. And like I said, they have billions to make. That is exactly the same as when you lie at happy times. Mm -hmm. Like whenever you have, have hidden a truth for your own little benefit, they just have more at stake. Yeah. Their little lie is a bigger lie, but their happy times is $100 billion. Yes. And so they're making the same decisions that everyone else makes. Mm -hmm. And so, and I think, and I, as I was watching, I was going, when I listen to this, it seems... You know, Elon Musk is a super psychopath. Bill Gates is a super psychopath. And this is another question that I brought up, which is, fine, David Icke has been doing this. He, I said, he calls himself a professional conspiracy theorist for 30 plus years. If you're the interviewer, you're sitting there, Brian Rose, I, I genuine question, what is your responsibility to check, push back, or do you really, is it just your job to allow him to represent himself? I don't mm -hmm. know the answer to this, and I'm curious what you think. Depends on the style. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? If it's uh, if it's Oprah, the goal would be to try to get David Icke to explain the moment when he started feeling. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like yeah. there's no no pushback. The thing is just find out what started this. When did you went from sports reporter to this? Was it because you were molested? Was it because you were doing drugs? Was yeah, it yeah. because you had a meditative epiphany? If you're on crossfire, then your, your job is to aggressively grill him. And if you're mm -hmm. on hot ones, then your goal is just to find out about his when he was 12 and played sports. Yeah. Like I think it really depends on how you've established yourself yeah who and, are you and the reputation got it i think that's fair tim ferris never grills and he says as much and he says that anyone he interviews can cut anything, anything they, they like want. yeah and he would and i think would completely own i'm here for people to learn from you i'm not here as an inve investigative journalist to bust you on anything 
And so people love going on that show because they know it's going to make them look great. Yeah. London Reel's responsibility is just whatever he's set up for himself as the interviewer. to be consistent with himself as mm -hmm. an interviewer across various interviews. I think that's that's a fair yeah. position. Unless he feels an extreme moral obligation, which clearly in this case he doesn't. And so, well, then this is the question. And I think there was one moment where I generally agree with you. But there's David Icke throughout this interview says, if 5G gets up, it will be the end of humanity as you know it. What are you going to tell your kids and your grandkids happened when the fascist state came in and took over everything. Are you going to say you sat on your butt? And he says, now I'm not advocating violence. I would never. But what you do is up to you. <laughs> yeah. And and I go, David, I think it's incumbent upon you to be violent. Because if what you're saying is that you think that humanity is going to be enslaved and you're unwilling to get your hands dirty, I think you lack ethical backbone <laughs> right like like you're just gonna your job is to sit here and talk while the global fascist state is coming in if you believe what you're saying that billions of people will be enslaved and die but you you stop at violence because of your own moral that that i'm i i find suspicious yeah, yeah. but you're willing to get here and and then wave your hands and say hey i could say whatever i want whatever people do is is up to them but i've just made the most persuasive argument i could do that the world as you know it is coming to an end I, I, I see serious, serious issues with that. And I know that if I were in opposite the interview seat and I had my wits about me and I was, you know, I, I, things can happen in the heat of the moment, but I'd go, hold on. You just told people that if they have a backbone that they have to go do something violent to stop this. Mm -hmm. They have to, at the very least, break quarantine. At the very least, right? That's one a big thing. He says, don't listen to power. They have to get out there. They got to shake hands. They got to hug each other and recognize that that's not is what is transmitting this COVID-19. It's the 5G radio tower. So as long as we're hugging and coughing on each other, nothing can go wrong. If you have conviction in your belief. And I, I wish that he'd been pushed on that because... He has he's making falsifiable claims mm -hmm. that have lives <laughs> at stake. And he may be right, but I think rather than him go, Oh, you guys do what you want to do, like I all I could tell you is that the global fascist state is here and they're gonna take over everything, is a it's a total cop out. Yeah, well uh, it's fa I mean he's fascinating if you if you zoom out a little and just think about it from a human persuasion perspective, he is fascinating because in my opinion, people show up to David Icke and you can almost predictably know if they're going to find him crazy or persuasive. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's he is more filtering you than he is persuading you, if that makes sense, because he has had some very accurate predictions in the past mm -hmm. and he has completely missed on predictions in the past. He's been making claims like 5G is going to end the world. Well, if in 50 years or in 30 years, five, five years, five years, this, sure. is a, this is an immediately falsifiable if in, claim. If in five years, 5G is everywhere and we're not all controlled by reptiles on the moon then you'd be like, oh, okay, he was wrong. But that will not hurt his following at all. Because in 1991, he said Saddam Hussein was dead. Mm -hmm. And he was wrong. And then in 1993, I think he wrote a book saying that there would be a terrorist attack on the United States between 2000, between 2000, and, 2000 and 2002. And September 11th happened. And he tells and his, that. Yeah. And he tells it, but his people, his followers are like, he's been right on everything mm -hmm. for 30 years. That's a literal quote that people that like him will say. Mm -hmm. That's just not true. And so... This, we were talking off the camera. You're like, yeah, I mean, what, what's he going to do once this is wrong? He's just going to come up with something else because he's filtering. He's filtering for if you're dissatisfied with society, if you feel lied to, if you don't like your parents or your teachers or your bosses or whatever it is. And he gives you a home and a community that all says like, yeah, these aren't even humans mm -hmm. at the highest level. They're satanic cults. They're reptiles. 
you don't like Barack Obama, yeah, you can be as mean as you want to Barack Obama. That's not a human being. Mm -hmm. And so that's literally <laughs> what he says. And it feels great if you hate Barack Obama and you hate your boss and you hate authority and you feel like you've been lied to. If you hate your dad. Yeah, exactly. No, <laughs> yeah, if you, and, yeah. and so I, I think that that's really what he does. Yeah. Is he, he, more than anything else, he filters. Because when some people watch it, I brought him up and some people go completely... They're like, that guy? Why are you even talking about that guy? Like, he's clearly not. Well, to very be few to. people engage with his ideas on a, let's see, in, a, in an actual, like, uh, checking that's what I'm saying. For you're either like, you're either, you're either in go, and you believe you it. You either go, oh, he thinks reptiles, which, okay, that sounds crazy, but, you know, fine, let's explore, right? He's got a huge audience. Maybe he's onto something. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Very few people go, okay, let me, let me weigh this yes. as if it could be true and could be false. Mm -hmm. And instead, what you get a lot of times is that guy's a nut job. I'm going to write him off. Or, Oh my God, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it all along. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, they yeah. were just waiting for the yeah. words to explain the feeling they had. Yes. That's that's my biggest thing. I can go into a million. We don't, I don't want to, I don't want to wait too much on, on. I went deep because I thought I was going to do a breakdown. Yeah. I have like, I don't know if you can, I have literally just like so much <laughs> examples of word for word stuff he says, but we, we can move on. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's, it does raise the, the most fascinating question of all to me is around it made me recognize that I thought, because I've heard people say that, Vol I think it's Voltaire quote, which is, I disagree with what you say, but defend to the death your right to say it. And I recognize that that has been a lie to almost everyone who has ever said it, because mm -hmm. they don't get up there and die to get the slander laws removed. They don't do it, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. They think that free speech needs to be curtailed. And so it's a, it's not such a simple question of, oh my God, that's you're, you're infringing on free speech. It's, I hate to say this, we weigh it all the time, mm -hmm. and we have a very difficult, horrible, uh, no-win job of, of weighing this. And I think you have to err on the side of letting ideas be said because otherwise people in power can go, no, that's some crazy talk. Mm -hmm. But you still have to weigh it, and it's, uh, it's, it's a crazy position that I find myself in, but I think that if anybody's being fair, they feel similar. They feel the same. If, unless you're out there protesting and dying for, to stop slander laws, you feel the same. Um, or at least you don't feel like Voltaire did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're, unless you're very comfortable with a major celebrity saying that you're a pedophile and that he has evidence, despite the fact that he doesn't and you're not, mm -hmm. you are not really... And you can fight him with your speech. Exactly. Yeah, you can't sue. <laughs> yeah. He, you know, if you're, as long as you're mm -hmm. not okay with yeah. a major celebrity yeah. saying that about you, then you're not for 100% free speech. Mm -hmm. uh, so the other thing, the last thing on this, because it did touch, I realize, and it's the... The appeal to science, we've mentioned this, is almost always an appeal to authority. So David Icke on a handful of occasions talks about a study out of this or a study out of that, and he cites names. And, and I am positive that there are people on the other side that have names, studies, and scientists mm -hmm. that will say the opposite. And I'm not— well, I'd actually go so far as to say that he saw those studies but doesn't believe them. Yes. And that his opposition saw has seen his studies— mm -hmm. But thinks that they're crackpots, or or wouldn't even want to. Yeah, wouldn't even want to. But my point is, like, they're not even. It's not that they're unaware mm -hmm. of the studies that discredit them. It's that they have looked at it all and then chosen to talk about the ones that support them. Yeah, and so so often, science, which is supposed to be based on a hypothesized investigation and an attempt to prove yourself wrong, becomes appealed to in an argument, and it's purely an appeal to authority to go. Well, you have no idea about the study. You know nothing about the sampling of it, and and this is a trump card for me to go. Well, mm -hmm. actually, five G kills people, or actually, five G has never been proven to kill people. And I just noticed that a handful of times that it's 
the only way that I can even engage in these sorts of discussions and arguments is to go, I can't even fight over contentious studies and issues. I just have to address the overall consistency of your argument. And if you're saying that the reptiles are on the moon, like let's discuss about things that you might believe that could disprove that because I can't argue with you back and forth. Mm -hmm. My study says, your study says, it's just a fruitless go around. But I got a handful of other things if you want to yeah, go for on. Big switch. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been playing the Final Fantasy VII remake. Okay. That is a big switch. <laughs> so some of you might know. This was actually a, it's about it's about eco terrorists. It's about so eco terrorists. If you <laughs> if you replace that with five G towers, it's, it's very even, similar. It's not even. The the game was a watershed game when it came out, the first one in yeah. the late nineties, I believe. The greatest game ever. And when you look mm -hmm. at it, the guy has shovels for hands. Yeah, yeah. The graphics are hilarious. And it's gotten very, very stellar reviews, and I play it and I think it sucks. <laughs> and I I know I'm in the minority because it appears that even beyond the official sites that some of the Google reviews, which I assume are not bots, are are for it. But it I think everyone would have to agree with me that it kind of got the Hobbit treatment, which is to say you had this thing that had been proven, this game, it was a single game. It went from start to finish, and it was a game that we all played when we were little. And in order to, you know, because they couldn't do it, they split it into three or four parts. We're not really sure at this point. So you buy part one, and you get so all I four got parts part for one, free, or and how does it work? <laughs> oh, do they quadruple profits because they split it into four parts? Wow, what? what? <laughs> that doesn't make sense. And, kind of incentive is that? And so playing the game, what I feel like, I was like, if you took a third of this, you'd have a good game. But as it is, I'm not joking, hours and hours are spent literally with one finger holding the directional stick as they force your character to slow walk through an environment. Uh, and it's exactly what happened with The Hobbit, which is, hey, this was one book that was this long. And we did this with The Lord of the Rings, which were, you know, the Isn't same Isn't The length. Hobbit also incredibly Hobbit's, short? It's also shorter than Lord like of, the, the Lord of the Rings. 17 pages? Yeah. No, no, it's just it's just shorter than the uh, any of the original trilogy, but yeah. the original, I guess the second trilogy books which one came first i don't know but yeah it's gotten bloated and expanded upon to yeah. the point of no longer being any good and it's but it's it will make them, it'll make them more money than if they'd made one good game oh not just more money two or three times potentially four times more money yeah because they might they lose you make. from the first one to the second one yeah but you still bought the first now granted mm -hmm. i haven't bought it and i might have if you said it was amazing but it's for everyone of me, good enough for everyone of me, yeah. someone's buying all four. Yeah. So that's just four X the money on that guy. And they and they started this if you remember like Harry Potter. I don't know when it started. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. Last book needs to be two movies. Like, yeah, yeah. Does it really? Those are good movies though. I oh, rewatched them recently. Okay. Okay. Did it need to be two movies? Did we need all of this? Still good. Hobbit's a better example. My point is, it started with two. <laughs> yeah. And they're going. They moved to three with Hobbit. And they might hit four with Final Fantasy. You know what's... Flash forward five, six years. You're going to be getting seven, eight parts. You know it's like Gillette Razors, man. <laughs> Game of Thrones went the opposite direction. Yeah. George R. R. Martin was like, can we please do 10 seasons? Yeah. I really think this needs time to breathe. Mm -hmm. And they went, nah. And they made the worst series in in history in terms of ending yeah so there are there it's funny because like the only time when you would actually want to hobbit something yeah the producers just got tired of making it well the, but, i nah, guess slap it together don't hobbit it just give it the space that it needs and obviously everyone does but they're just yeah you want i get thinking it. with their pocket you want to yeah you want to like, live in a world where people decide the length of a video game a based movie on or what a TV the art show demands based on <laughs> making the best product yeah and you will never get that and i think you should just let that yes. dream die uh so that that's all that I have on Final Fantasy. Did you have anything that you wanted to on Final Fantasy? No, no, just in life. Well, dude, I was so excited to talk about UFC Bloodsport Death Island. Mm. 
And then the dream was stolen from me. I had it on my list of things. You saw this. Yeah. So Dana White is impressive. That guy was told that he couldn't host a UFC fight in the United States because mm -hmm. of COVID. And he found a Native American reservation and a private island. And he turned them both into what was going to be Mortal Kombat-esque like every other week. And I think it was going to blow the UFC up. I think the UFC was about to become as big as any other sports mm -hmm. franchise because it's the only thing on TV. And then one guy at Disney gave him a phone call and said, hey, shut this down. Mm -hmm. I don't care if it's going to make you billions of dollars, double the value of the UFC. You're such a small bean to me. Even Because Disney owns ESPN, which owns the UFC or works with the UFC. He works with, yeah. Uh, you can't do this. And Dana White went, fair enough, Disney. That's power. They run the world, dude. That they is run power. the world. That is power to, to stop the movement of millions of dollars that somebody else and and to have them do it of their own volition you know and to have them then get on as dana white did and make a video being like i'm just you know of course i did it like they asked and they like wow it's crazy that is, that is a tremendous it's crazy degree of power and influence yeah disney runs the world it's wild well what's we we also mentioned this not quite because if you look if you assume that money is a proxy for power and i think it's a pretty good one disney market cap what was it, it was like 188 billion dollars yeah last i checked and then if you look at other companies, Apple, for instance, is like five times that, five times that. And they make consumer products. Disney has touched every aspect of your life. Apple is your phone and your AirPods and maybe your computer. And it's five times the size of Disney. We looked at Nike, which is like 100, 10 times the size of Nike. Amazon now is over a trillion dollar company. Like even when you get to this stratosphere of millions and then billions and then hundreds of billions, the human brain is completely incapable of really grasping the orders of magnitude yeah, yeah. and difference. Have we already talked about how people hate on Jeff Bezos while ordering Amazon at the same time? No, I don't know that we have. No? That one's a fascinating one. So like through the, through the wealth disparity and then Bernie Sanders bringing it to the forefront, there's been a, a lot of... Bezos hate. Just hating on billionaires. You know, yeah. billionaires are bad. And... It is amazing because you will have someone just absolutely shit on Jeff Bezos is evil and greedy and this and that while they open an Amazon package. Mm -hmm. Like they won't even mm -hmm. recognize that it's happening at the same time. Mm -hmm. And it's so fascinating because like the reason that he has all this wealth that you hate that he has is because you prefer the thing he created over the alternatives. Yeah. And, and, and a similar arguments, not saying that what Jeff Bezos is doing is right or, or it's, it's not casting judgment on, on him, but the position of really desperately thinking that Amazon needs to pay their employees more, that their factory conditions are terrible, that uh, they put these mom and pops out of business and that now it's ruined while being an avid customer searching for the best price is exactly what we mentioned earlier. It's like, no, the evil in the world that you don't like is actually coming from within you. Yeah, it's the, reason, your the own... reason that they do that is because you're supporting them with your money instead of going to something that's clearly more expensive yeah. because they pay their workers more yeah. and source from the US that has to increase the price you're not willing to eat that price increase which is why Amazon is so big and why they do what they and do. And the reflexive argument is yeah but he's so rich he's so like I can't he needs to. And it's you know that this is always the fallback and it's, he wasn't always <laughs> you know what I mean yeah. he wasn't always Jeff Bezos the founder of Amazon at some point he made sacrifices and this is the thing is if you want the world to be a better place it kind of has to hurt. Well, it's just you magnified. It's you magnified is the thing. Because if, if you feel that way and you act with your money by refusing to go to Amazon and refusing to buy mm -hmm. Nike, if everyone did that, he would immediately have no money. Mm -hmm. so, so you not being willing to make that sacrifice is why 
he isn't making that sacrifice. And it's it's not simply that because then there's this, um, well, I'm just one person, but it's no, what you can do is if you can figure out how to unlock the long-term non-selfish thinking part of you, which is hard, so hard, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm you can at least stand a chance of spreading that idea and teaching it to other people. But when you simply say that he needs to, you know, not be selfish and he needs to be a long-term thinker and he needs to be kind to the people uh, at, on his periphery without you having to make those same thoughtful decisions because you're just focused on earning money just like him. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's just he's you plus power <laughs> yeah plus and also to be clear you might need to deal with you might need to have less stuff mm -hmm. to do this you might buy three things from mom and pop stores instead of five things from amazon mm -hmm. but that's what the world would look like if amazon acted the way you want them to mm -hmm. that everything would have the price of this so be okay with having three things instead of five things yeah you know what i mean because that's what you're asking amazon to do i had i had a personal and i tried to do this with myself i had a personal moment where I've been told you I was getting frustrated about the bailout and where the money is going and some of the people I know and how it's being spent mm -hmm. and just getting very like the system is not fair. And I was pissed and frustrated and I look at it and it isn't. And then I go, wait a second. Dude, I, I make videos <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I'm not I'm not a frontline worker. I'm not I'm not scratching up blood and guts off the ground. I'm not killing anybody. I make fun videos about things that I like and I'm paid handsomely for it. Like no shit, the system isn't fair. Mm -hmm. I'm primary beneficiary of it. So to get upset at this particular way that the system is not fair, instead of looking to myself and being like, all right, if I don't like this unfair system, what sacrifices am I willing to make yeah. to, you know, uh, it, it's never fun. <laughs> it's never fun because it immediately takes the sales out of your, of your anger. Yeah, yeah the, the wind is gone from your sales. Because <laughs> yeah. now of instead your... of being like, the system's broken, you're like, I have to figure out how much of my money I'm willing to donate to yeah. nurses now. Yeah, yeah. The anger crusade just just gets uh, de totally deflated as you then start to reflect and be like, man, what am I willing to yeah. sacrifice and give up in order to make this system more fair? And I think certainly there are people in the world who might be in a slum in uh, Jaipur, India, who go, oh, actually, like, I'm not exploiting the system. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like, I'm safe. But safe to say that uh, for most of our listeners, I'm not going to say all, who who have uh, some ability to have leisure time and listen to this you're not in the half of the world that lives in less than two dollars a day and as such are a beneficiary of the system at large and mm -hmm. might it might get better if you considered how to we've talked about this you can look two ways on the bell curve you can look right on the bell curve or left on the bell curve and what i mean is that if you do a distribution of the outcomes of anything like uh height uh attractiveness income luck whatever everybody's always focused on those that have more than them mm -hmm. and and so their entire 100 percent of their focus is oh my god i'm being screwed but if you look the other way what you'll often find is that there are at least as many people because the yeah. world is a big place and history is a long time that have had it so much worse than you do you want to replug your documentary humans humans oh so good so good yeah this is this is a left focused documentary we're not associated it, no. we make no money off of but it's it's a very good reminder mm -hmm. that you've been looking right on the bell curve the whole time. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of stuff to the left. You know what and else? It's is really good for gratitude. Special books by special kids. It's a YouTube channel. It it's heartbreaking. It's a guy who is a he works with kids with special needs, I believe. And this is the started, same guy that interviews the burn victim. Yes, yes. They are some of them are genuinely hard for me to watch uh, because the people who are in it have had such hard goes of it. Say the title again. 
special books by special kids. Okay. Uh, and he interviews them. And he's like, one, you just like, I love you, man. You have such a big heart. And you're such a good guy. But the, the people that he interviews are oftentimes, every time, have what I would describe as a much harder lot in life than me or anyone I know, even the people that think that they have it rough. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes they're so positive. There's like, or at least in that moment, they like, they have a, a, a fantastic outlook. So it's really inspiring. I highly, highly recommend no, it. Honestly, it selfishly, it's a good way to feel happier, mm-hmm. to remind yourself that instead of being angry mm-hmm. about what people are doing, mm-hmm. you can be grateful for how blessed you've been. Yeah, yeah to not have been a serious burn victim or to not, you know, all, all of those things. So, so yeah, humans and special, special books by books special kids. By special kids. Really, really good. Anything else that you had? I want to plug this. Speaking of books, what is it? shout out to Dr. Eric Goodman and Peter Park. These are the guys that do the foundation. You bought so the book. I bought the book. Uh, I've read it a long time ago. But so just a quick one. If anyone has back pain and or is just getting bored out of their mind because they don't know how to do a home workout, mm-hmm. These guys have a YouTube video online. It's called Foundation Training, and it's incredible. You and I have both seen that when you do it, it substantially increases your athleticism and decreases your back pain and your achiness mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And so I happen to have the book out when we were shooting. I went, oh, I'm going to give these guys a plug. No yeah. affiliation. We make no money. But I think for people who are just bored at home or for anyone who wakes up and goes, oh, I'm feeling a little bit sore, mm-hmm. they're awesome. Yeah, You do I- it almost every day now. I got old overnight, and you know, I, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast. I couldn't move. No, you haven't talked about this. I you paralyzed yourself. I, I paralyzed myself. No joke. I spent 24 hours. I mean, I it was 2.30 a.m., and I couldn't move. I thought I was going to suffocate in the pillow because I was face down. I was like, I can't. I got some air <laughs> and like, and just that, I, that was it for me. I was like, I'm going to die like this. Luckily, my phone was within reach, but... So that that happened, and then it took over a week. And the other thing that really helped was your what is it? I don't want to get the brand right. Oh, it's called a Hypervolt. The Hypervolt. Oh my God, that thing saved my life. I want a sponsorship with them. Yeah, saved my life. At, like unlocked my back, but it was still going back. But the thing that has helped long term is their exercise. Uh, and my back is good. I still treat it like terribly. You see me working in my bed, yeah, yeah, yeah. over on my laptop, but then I got a stand up desk. I was like, I have to fix all this, but that's, that's a huge, yeah, piece so many, I, so, I know some people listen to this hoping for life improvement stuff. And I think the foundation is a great one. Foundation, so. stand up desk, hypervolt saved. I can move now, yeah, but it's free huge. foundation training yeah. on YouTube. Cool. Do we have uh, any, do you want to go to questions? Sure. Cool. Yeah. Let's do it. <clears throat> okay. Um, first question is from Mario. He says, "Hey Ben and Charlie, I'm hey, being Mario. offered Hello. I'm being offered a job of a presenter on a major TV slash YouTube network in my country. Nice. I was wondering if you had any tips or resources, such as books or courses, for on-camera charisma. I feel like if I act as I normally do, I'm in the zone. But as soon as the camera is on, I feel like there's a pressure to perform, and it's not as good. Yeah, I feel that. <laughs> so what I would say there's there's a couple things. This isn't just on camera, but anytime you're in a new environment." And you know that you're going to this new environment. You know performance is like, okay, once you're in the interview or once you're on the camera, like, time, that's, let's go. Just do whatever you can to set yourself up. So the first times that I shot, it was so weird. And it, it really just came with having the lights on me, looking at the camera, spending a lot of time shooting. So set up a camera in your house. If there's lights that you want to put on yourself to make it even less comfortable, do that. It'll, it'll help in the long run. And then You're tell, saying practice reps at home. Practice reps. Tell your story. Tell your thing do it. That's one. The second thing I find is that I, I have to shoot several times, actually. Speak through a smile. 
because I often do my videos like this and I talk like this, blah, blah, blah. And when I'm on the podcast with you, maybe I talk like this. But then when I do my videos, I have to go. So guys, what we're going to talk about today is this thing. And it's crazy because what you don't recognize, and I have a smile the whole darn time, uh, or not the whole time, but I try to remind myself, it makes a huge, huge difference on camera, at yeah, least yeah. for me, if you're not one of those super serious types. So speaking through a smile. Meanwhile, this guy's like a disaster reporter. <laughs> like, today in China, there have been more deaths yes. than ever. Obvious exceptions to this. But it's weird. Even when you're talking about uh, somber things that energy carries, which is my third point, which is any sort of routine, I often think of Jim Carrey before I get on camera. Because it just reminds me that my normal amount of emoting expressiveness, shifts in tonality is not enough. Yeah, that's a big one. That's a big one I noticed. Not in enough. person, people will say that I'm loud or that I yeah. gesticulate a lot. You get on camera and it really mutes you. Yeah. So, and that's the thing, especially because it's me with a white wall. I have to capture attention in a way that I don't necessarily when it's me and my friend in a room together and I'm... I'm I'm the only source of conversation <laughs> or entertainment. Can't uh, click off. So I think of Jim Carrey and I hop in and I, you know, my brother hears me bang on my chest and I go, like I shake it out. Yeah. So if you can't do that on set, you can do it in the bathroom potentially beforehand. Then get in with the stage people or whoever's there, shake their hand. That's right. what I was going to say. Get Try to get into the, the right mood before the camera goes mm -hmm. on, before they yell action. So joke with your bosses, joke with the camera guys. Like by the time they say, okay, action – already have a smile on your face and be mm -hmm. talking because you got in state beforehand that's gonna yeah. be so much easier than if you just let's say you sit in an uber you don't say anything you roll in the office you don't say anything yeah. to anyone you're just in the zone then they say action you go okay here i go mm -hmm. it's it's so much harder so cheat get momentum going early mm -hmm. and there was there was one more thing that i was gonna say but it's now escaping me um if it comes back to me i'll let you know <laughs> <laughs> What else we got? Okay, this one's from none. None. Uh, yeah. No nay. No nay. Yeah. Uh throughout my life doing tasks I don't want to throughout my life doing tasks I don't want to do have given me anxiety. I'm not sure what the cause is. I don't think it's the fear of failure, but it's causing me to either procrastinate or not complete them at all. It used to happen to me back in college, I'm a graduate now, where I would have anxiety about continuing to work on my research paper or study for an exam, for example. I regret my academic performance in college so much because of that, and I still can't find a way to force myself to do things I don't enjoy. And it makes me feel less of myself because the end goal of the stuff that I don't enjoy has quite a benefit for my future. And I never felt like I accomplished something successful in that respect, unlike the hobbies that I enjoy doing. Any advice on combating this particular anxiety? Is I, it, is I know it, you have thoughts on this. Well, I was just going to... We have a video that I think has six or seven steps. I shot it a long time ago. So it's got not a normal background, but it's, I think the word willpower is in the title, potentially motivation. So if you Google charisma on command and willpower, charisma on command and motivation, it talks about this. Uh, but I think that there's, I want to start by saying, cause you're going to hear me give contradictory evidence sometimes where I'm like, forget doing hard things, do what you're called towards. But I think there's a phase in everybody's life where they do need to develop discipline. And is it, it sounds called, like, is it called how to stay motivated and master your willpower? I believe so. Or is it called yeah, how like to it. stop it's, procrastination? It's Columbia, right? Well, there's two. Yeah, you in Columbia. Yeah, that's it. How to stay motivated and master your willpower. Yeah. So the simplest thing that that I mean, there's there's a handful. Procrastination also has some some good tips. But I'll, we I'll also throw did a, an animated video <laughs> called "How to Stay Motivated in Tough Times." Yeah, they. I'll give you the small ones. Uh, first is start small. So whatever it is that you're doing oftentimes what stops you from getting into it is the belief that you have to write the whole paper, that you have to do the whole thing. So 
what you want to do is set small goals. If it's a paper that you need to write or a beginning thing, you're going to only read four pages today. And if you read four and you stop, that is completely acceptable. Oftentimes, your momentum will carry you. So you write just the first paragraph of your introduction for a paper. Oftentimes, that momentum will take you somewhere into the body of the text. That's the first thing. Second thing is to put something that you really like on the other side of doing this. So only once you've done your your you know, your run, or not even your run, what people often say is you got to put your shoes on and take like three steps outside if you want to start a running habit. Only after you've done that can you play video games or eat the cookie or mm -hmm. do whatever it is that makes you happy. And then the last thing, so now we've got something small, something positive motivating you, but now we need a stick. And the stick oftentimes is you setting up with your friends. We've talked about stakes. Sometimes Ben gets random Venmos from me because I've gone to websites. It's amazing. I, <laughs> it's the best. That I shouldn't go to, uh, you know, if I'm on Reddit or something like that. Uh, and sometimes I allow myself. That's neither here nor there. The point is you tell a friend, hey, if I don't do X thing by X day, I'm going to send you some amount of money that hurts, but I can absolutely afford and so for me, when I go to a website, because it's just a thoughtless thing, I send Ben five bucks and I might do it several times and I don't want to just be like paying an insane amount of money, but it's enough that I don't want to do it. And if it's ever not enough, I, I can up it to 10 or 15. So pick what your amount is, pick your time frame, and now you've got a small thing to do, a carrot and a stick, and that's going to help carry you through a lot of the stuff. Yeah. And the, the one thing I, I do want to clarify because i think people often hear the oh start with something small like mm -hmm. say okay i have to put on my shoes and walk outside mm -hmm. and what they think is but not really that's not really a victory mm -hmm. and it you have to accept that it is because otherwise now you'll just view that as a monumentous task yeah so james clear is a guy that i think covers this really well for he covers habit building and he'll say if you want to build a habit of flossing, floss one tooth. And literally, if you get the, the floss out, you floss one tooth and you decide you're done, you don't want to do it, that's still a victory. Yeah. You still don't have to pay your friend and you still let yourself feel good. But oftentimes, once you're going, you just go, oh, I might yeah. as well, I'm, I'm already here. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's the magic that you're talking about where you say you're going to write the intro, but you actually end up writing a full page. Yeah. But you have, to, you have to on the days where you just feel like absolute crap, and you just put your gym shoes on and walk outside and then walk back inside, tell yourself that you've had a victory if yeah. that's your small goal. The last thing that might have been implicit in everything that I said is that you may not be chunking out these projects. So you talked about your studies and my studies are failing. You might not have gone, what does what is required of me concretely to improve this? And if you're like, I have to get better grades, that's a very difficult, inactionable thing to mm -hmm. do. It can be overwhelming. And, it's, and where do I begin? But if you spend the time and the first day is I need to break down uh, for, you know, just write down four different elements of concrete actions I can take to improve my grades. And it mm -hmm. might be 20 minutes of studying a day. And you just write these down. That's day one is come up with the buckets of things to do. Uh, that's going to help you move forward rather than something amorphous, like lose weight, get better grades, be a better friend, you know, whatever it yeah. is. No, my, our friend, Zach Obron, he runs, shout out to Zach. He runs scribe with Tucker Max. He's awesome. When I first started this business, I was so overwhelmed because there are infinite things you can do to make your business successful. And at the time we started it, we were making no money. So it was very, there was a lot of pain there and, and I, I was very overwhelmed and stressed. And he had a great thing which said, just write down all the things you could do for your business, pick the most important one, then break that down into 90 minute chunks and do two of them in a day. It's literally three hours of work. Mm -hmm. He said, then you're done. So you might think, oh my God, I have to do all this stuff. It's like, no, no, no. Write it all down, then pick one thing. And that's where I would have stopped. I would yeah. have been like, okay, I have to do that one thing. I have to make a video. He goes, nope. What can you do in 90 minutes? Mm -hmm. Oh, I can 
write a very sloppy outline. Okay. There you go. Do that. Okay. Well, now I have to refine the outline because it looks terrible. It took me 90 minutes. Okay. There's your second task. Now you're done. Go outside, get mm -hmm. on the beach. And that was really, really helpful for mm -hmm. me. And if you work in those chunks concentrated, you'll be shocked. You are more effective than 80 or 90% of people doing work. Now, there are people out there, the Elon Musks, that are just 12 hours a day. But for most people, the you're, fact that you're not checking Instagram, yeah, or yeah. Not, you go you go airplane mode face down, yeah, yeah. no other tabs, no going to Reddit. And you'd be amazed how ineffective you have been yeah. when you're working for 15 minutes and you get bored and you go check yeah, yeah, ESPN. Yeah. It's like, that no, was hard, man. Those 90 minute, I never did 90 minutes focused because <clears throat> it's, it's genuinely mm -hmm. so hard. I could do 25 minutes max. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to talk about though, how sometimes it's worth reorienting to doing things you do like? So this is the second piece, which is, I don't think that you're quite there yet. And it's, it's a different phase of everybody's life, but I have other friends who are, you know, have like, well, I've gotten this to work. I've gotten this to work, but I need to take my business to the next level. And I'm having a hard time and often that's not what they say they just they've they've built that habit so they unthinkingly plug away and at some point in your life it becomes why am i fighting so hard like why can't i move my career my friends towards things that i am a higher degree pulled towards rather than than forcing myself to do uh, even if you're in college though i would mm -hmm. say you can study something that you actually like. You studied philosophy and crushed yeah. it, right? Yeah. Straight A's because you loved it. If I made you be a statistics major, I don't think your grades would have yeah, been as yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, for me, I the thing is I'm more of a grinder. You're mm -hmm. more creative, right? I like numbers. And so I was able to go to finance and do well because I, weirdly enough, can find enjoyment in math. But for you, you could crush, you know, summa cum laude philosophy and I could force you into a different major and you could try so hard with effort and not do nearly as well. So I think even at 19, there's a, you, it's worth asking, what do I like? What do I like reading? What do I like studying? What do I like writing papers about? Even if writing a paper is never fun, what will engage me intellectually? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I think that even at 19, that's a question worth asking. 100%. And then if the answer is, I don't like anything or I like finger painting, and, <laughs> but I need a job. It's like, okay, maybe you can minor in, figure, in finger painting and major in something else. But yeah. it's, it's a question that is definitely worth asking because I think, if you are creative, you can find something you like that will set you up for a yeah. job after college. Yep. And oftentimes, I, we're just going too much on this. Oftentimes, the thing that you love and the way to make it a career, it's not going to be 100% I love every aspect of this, mm -hmm. but it's enough. So like I've never enjoyed writing. For instance, we have these pages that talk about what Charisma University is. Nobody wants to write a sales page, mm -hmm. right? Nobody wants to write an email follow-up series. And sometimes when you're shooting these videos, it's like, I only had two points that I want to make, but I need four that are good. And like, that's the last two can be difficult to get to. But so I don't mean to say every moment is going to be pleasurable. And that's where that discipline comes in. But mm -hmm. you can find higher degrees of like, no, this, this, at least the research is fascinating to me, if not the presentation or whatever. Have you seen that graffiti? So someone graffitis on a wall and they say, if you find something you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Mm -hmm. And someone crosses out and says, if you find something you love, you'll slowly burn out about it as you grind it every <laughs> single day and start to hate what you love. <laughs> like, it's fair enough. These are both true. Yeah, yeah. That's why we have the podcast, right? Yeah. Anything else, Justin? Nope. Awesome. Nope. Thank you, guys. If, if you want more podcasts, uh, please do sign up for the Patreon. There are... I made an account for $1, $5, $10, $25, $50, and the Big Daddy $300 if you want to just... $300, you sponsor your own episode. <laughs> we'll shout you out at the end of the episode. We'll shout you at the beginning of the episode. Throughout the bucks. episode. Yeah. That, you're funding a Justin at that point. <laughs> we're just going to shout your name every for hour. an hour and a half. Uh, so if you guys if you guys do want to donate, uh, it's patreon.com slash charisma on command. 
not required but greatly appreciated and we'll do more of these if uh, for every multiple 300 that we hit so that's it for today thank you guys when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over 600 each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.